This episode of Contracting Conversations is brought to you by BSCAI's Contractor Connections Content Hub. Browse recent articles providing insights on industry trends, profiles on influential speakers and industry leaders, tips to help your business succeed, and more. Visit bscaiorg contractor connections. Welcome to Contracting Conversations, a podcast series from BSCAI. Through a series of interviews with entrepreneurs, business owners, and executives, this podcast aims to provide insights, trends, and tactics to support the growth and development of business owners serving the contract cleaning and facility maintenance industry. Welcome to Contracting Conversations the official podcast of BSAI. I am your host, Kate Jacobson. On today's episode, we have Steve Ashkin, president of the Ashkin Group, an internationally recognized consulting firm working to green the professional cleaning industry. He is also one of the designers of BSAI's new COVID-19 disinfection and safety course, a comprehensive educational tool for frontline workers. Support for Contracting Conversations comes from our premier partners, 3M, Diversi, and Karcher. Learn more about our partners and their category-leading solutions for contractors at bscaiorg partners. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today on Contracting Conversations. Um, we are really excited to have you on because you are uh, you are the pivotal person in helping us develop the uh, COVID-19 disinfecting course. Uh, just to start off, in your own words, can you describe what this course is and what people can expect to get out of it? The course is really designed to help companies train their people in a consistent manner so that they are prepared to really address COVID-19. And perhaps um, there's really two other points because the reality is COVID-19 is actually relatively easy for us to kill with today's disinfectants. So the real value of this is to help the companies be able to confidently state to their customers that their people are being appropriately trained and then, candidly, from my perspective, the big issue about this is to take care of our workers. They are on the front line. They are at risk. They are essential workers. And there really are just a number of things that can be done easily, cost-effectively, to help protect them, which is incredibly important, not just on a human level, but also from a business perspective, because at the end of the day, our business is reliant on these people. It's reliant on them doing a good job. It's reliant on them being healthy so they can show up to work. So I really appreciate that BSCAI was willing to make this investment, and I really appreciate all of the companies that are providing this to their workers. Yeah. I mean, it's a really comprehensive course. I know that not only does it kind of go, like you said, go into 
uh, the best practices on how to attack things like COVID-19, but it also focuses on safety. Uh, can you talk a little bit about um, when you guys are putting this together, what were some of the things specifically you were looking to address when it comes to the cleaning aspect and then also the safety aspect? Well, the number one thing is to make sure that we were following the various guidelines from CDC and EPA and OSHA. So that was paramount, right? From a liability perspective, we really had to make sure we were doing that, which candidly was a real challenge since the CDC guidelines were changing frequently. But beyond that, we wanted to really legitimately help the workers. And, and we believe that BSEAI members know how to clean a bathroom, right? They know how to pull trash. They know how to do that kind of stuff. So the other things we wanted to do was really define some of the things to prepare the workers themselves to do a better job and to be more thorough about what it is they're doing so they can contribute better as professionals. So in addition to the stuff specific about disinfecting, BSEAI allowed me to do some great things like talk about ergonomics. And if you think about it, you know, I've been doing green cleaning for 30 years now. Initially, we always focus on things like, you know, chemical safety and using safer cleaning chemicals. But the reality is the majority of lost work days is not exposure to chemicals. It's not a burn from, you know, a floor finish or what have you. It is ergonomic related issues, back injuries, hip injuries, shoulder injuries. So I really appreciate that BSEI understood that when we're out disinfecting bathrooms or conference tables or whatever it is, that there really are some basic ergonomic strategies to help the workers do a good job, to do it more efficiently, and to do it while minimizing the potential injuries that they could suffer from repetitive motion or bending or lifting things and throwing things and what have you. And of course, let's not forget the whole issue of personal protective equipment. Right. Um, you know, one of the things we have learned from the data is how incredibly valuable wearing face coverings are. So we're able to talk about that a little bit to really reinforce it. And again, it all ties into our effort to not only do a good job, but to protect the workers and also to give confidence to the building occupants that they're gonna interact with. I think that's a good, I mean, that's a really big key of this, you know, course too, is that not only are we trying to give workers and management that's, you know, helping these workers get from point A to point B, have the best practices, have the skills to understand, okay, how ergonomically is my job affecting me? Am I having the right PPE? Am I using it correctly? But it gives peace of mind to those people whose businesses work in, right? Like, you know, the, you can go to the office that your company is cleaning and say, look, we, we can talk the talk, but we've walked the walk. We have this ability. We can show you the certificate. We have the ability to attack this in the right way with the right guidelines. Um, that's really invaluable, I think, for any business owner, especially now where, you know, we're kind of seeing a, a transition. Some people are starting to come back to their offices or come back to retail spaces or restaurant spaces, et cetera. And I especially appreciate, Kate, your comment about getting from point A to point B. You know, in my heart, 
The thing that really concerns me about our frontline workers, and I'm not talking about those in healthcare settings or those, you know, in nursing homes or, you know, where people are really being packed and there's positive um, COVID uh, people there, right? So for routine janitorial stuff. So in my heart, I'm less concerned, and this is based on the data, the risk is less when they're working in an office building, right? Because we don't really spend a lot of time in close contact to anyone when we're working, right? We're right. working. Right. But when you mentioned from going from point A to point B, one of the other things that I really appreciate from that BSEAI allowed me to do was to actually talk to the people being trained about getting from point A to point B. Right. Right. I'm more concerned about them having exposure, especially those working in large metropolitan areas where they're more likely to take public transportation to get to and from work. And to even just spend a few minutes talking about some of the precautions that the workers can take, again, to protect themselves when traveling to work, from traveling home from work, when they're at lunch at work, you know, to be you know, aware and conscious about being in close proximity, even to their coworkers, because we know how uh, vir virulent this virus is and how important it is for social distancing and wearing face coverings and washing hands and stuff like that. Um, you said you were talking to, when you mentioned that you were talking to people, frontline workers for this course to develop it, what were some of the concerns that they had about going back into work, like specifically? They're scared. Um, in many communities, our frontline workers are immigrants or first generation folks here. Um, oftentimes, uh, from an economic perspective, they're reasonably poor, right? And as a result of that, in many communities, they live together with lots of other people. Mm -hmm. And often, you know, we hear the term multi-generational people in the home. You know, so while they themselves, the workers themselves may be healthy and if they get the virus, you know, they'll be okay. But the concern for them was, what happens when I go home? What happens to my elderly parents? What happens to my grandparents? What happens to my aunts and uncles and the people in our family structures that they're in close you know, contact with? So that they were legitimately af afraid. So we wanted to make sure that we provided information to just talk straight to them, that we can address this. There, there are ways of reducing risk. You know, we talked, um, about sort of the issues of, on infection control and understanding the differences between a hazard and risk, which we did so that people understand that we can modify risk. That's what controls are. That's what personal protective equipment is. That's what ventilation is. That's what social distancing is. But to, to make them feel and be aware that they're not just victims here. Right. Right, there are things that they can do that really can help protect their health and that of their family. But the workers really were concerned, and frankly, they should be concerned. We should all be concerned, especially those of us who are older and have you know, other health issues. Mm 
Right. So, but that doesn't mean we should be scared, but it does mean we should be smart. And hopefully in this training program, we give them the tools to help them make smarter decisions. Yeah, I, I love that distinction of being concerned versus being scared. You know, concerned, you're, I, I know the risk that's in front of me. What do I do to help mitigate it? Scared is, I just want to run away from the situation. I don't even want to deal with it. Um, you know, I think for a lot of our members who are owners or managers of these building service contracting companies, you know, they've been trying to mitigate their own concerns and fears about the business models. Um, and I don't want to say that maybe they've lost perspective of the frontline workers. I'm not accusing anybody of that, but it's a real, this is a really good reminder that our frontline workers have the exact same concerns and fears that our managers have, that our owners have. And that if we can give them the tools to mitigate that, and like you said, make kind of smart decisions based on uh, like information that's sound, that's going to make our frontline workers want to come back to work even when COVID's gone. You know, they're going to really invest in a company that invests in them. Well, and I think that from a societal perspective, and that includes obviously our customers, people are starting to really appreciate or understand the value of cleaning. And it's not just how cheaply can you pull the trash and make sure the entryway looks nice and there's toilet paper in the bathrooms. You know, all the focus on high touch points and selecting the right disinfectants and addressing contact time and all these other things, personal protective equipment. These are all things that are, and forgive the pun, but very healthy for our industry. And this is also a time where I hope BSEAI members will really think about what we want our customers to take away from all of this and the things that we want to remain after COVID is over. Um, in my very biased opinion, and I think, you know, I'm pretty opinionated. <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't clean enough. You know, we don't. We do the minimal amount of cleaning based on the number of complaints that our facility managers get. So if they don't get too many complaints, they must be doing okay. And frankly, if they don't get too many complaints, let's see if we can reduce the costing even a little bit more. Right? That's, this has nothing to do with any health-based assessment of what is really necessary. So I'm really hoping that as an industry, we will end the rush to the bottom and really think and focus on cleaning for health. Because it's not just this virus we're concerned about, but there's other things that will exist well after COVID is solved, right? Whether it's dealing with E. coli and other bacterial contaminants from, you know, food processing in our restaurants and our break rooms and food processing areas, you know, obviously cleaning in bathrooms, but there's going to be so many things that we're going to have to deal with. And we know that cleaning really does protect health if it's done properly and at the right frequency. Right. So the frequency, because we know how to do it properly. We got the tools, right? It's not the how. It really is, do we have the time to clean effectively? You know what, the average janitor cleans something like 
excuse me, 25 to 40,000 square feet in an hour, an eight hour day. Wow. You know, the average house is like under 2000 feet. So that means we have janitors that are cleaning, what, a dozen to 20 houses a day. I mean, imagine how thorough you really can, you know, job one can do if they're cleaning a 2,000 square foot house, pulling the trash, cleaning the windows, doing the floors, cleaning the bathrooms, cleaning the kitchens, cleaning all the other areas, vacuuming in an hour. That's a lot. And, and let's face it, this isn't the problem of BSAAI members. This is a problem of our customers. Our customers are willing to accept that. And of course, we have plenty of companies that tell our customers they can do it. Right. And as an industry, we need to figure out how to tell people, and I'm talking about our customers, that we really need to be cleaning more effectively all the time, which from a business perspective is incredibly valuable for BSEAI members. Do you think COVID's really changed that conversation though for a lot of the customers? I, I know like you go into a place like Target, for example, and they've got signs saying, you know, we've gone above and beyond. We've done these extra cleanings, which, you know, you, they probably should have been doing those things anyway, but you know, they're, they're now they're advertising their, their business is based on their responsibility to those based on COVID-19 when all, when COVID-19 is like just a distant memory, you know, and hopefully five, you know, next five years, do you think customers will still go, man, we want to go back to that simple way, that cleaning for aesthetic versus that cleaning for health? Or do you think that's going to stick? Do you think COVID-19 is going to change the way our customers and building service contractors think about that, that cleaning schedule? I candidly think that the answer to that question is up to the people who are listening to this podcast. It's not going to happen by magic. They're not all of a sudden going to say, gee, we increased our cleaning budget by 50%. Now that COVID's over, we're going to go ahead and keep the budget at that level. Right? Because if they can reduce their budget, let's be honest, they are going to. Right. So I really do think that it's up to BSEAI and its members and our entire industry, because this doesn't just affect the contractors, this affects the distributors, this affects everyone in the manufacturers, this affects everybody. And as an industry, we need to get our acts together, decide if this is important, and make sure that we are focused and um, clearly articulating the need and the benefit so that we don't allow our customers to backslide into pre-COVID cleaning for appearances. If we fail to do this, that's on us, right? This is our industry. We should be able to articulate the value of doing this. We should be fighting like heck to make sure our customers you know, don't give in to, well, I had another contractor come by and said they can do it for 75 cents a square foot. We need to stand up and say, that's not right. That's not good enough. You are putting people at risk. This is an industry issue, and we need to get our acts together and decide what it is we're willing to fight for. And it's important for our industry, and frankly, it's important for our workers and the occupants of our buildings. 
I mean, I, I hear that. I, I love, I love the passion. I, I, I think that's something that we kind of dance around a little bit, especially with these COVID-19 conversations. It's like, no, we, we can be the arbiters of our own destiny. You know, we can go to our customers and say, look, I have this certificate or I have this training. I have this whatever. I can do the best job. You, you have to, you know, give me space to do that job. I agree. And, you know, we, we can, you know, we're the experts, right? This is what we do. We're professionals. You know, facility manager, a building owner, cleaning is not their expertise. It's just one of the many things that they have to address in their business lives. We are the experts. We have to be the evangelists. We have to be the ones who are out there saying, no, you have to do XYZ if you want to clean for health. This is our responsibility. And we can learn how to do it politely. We can do it without um, insulting people or, you know, being divisive or, you know, in their face or negative or whatever, because it is about the science. It is about protecting people's health. And we know this. Mm -hmm. So it really is upon us to be the ones out there really fighting for our industry because there's a lot of competition for resources out there, right? It's not just they want to cut our budgets because they're trying to profit. They have a limited amount of money. They have to spread it around a lot of things like technical stuff and new technologies and repairing the roof and putting in a new HVAC system and giving raises to their own people, right? There's a lot of things pulling at them when they're looking at their budgets. We have to fight for our share, and I think we should fight for an unfair part of our share <laughs> because we have neglected this. And, you know, we're just getting outplayed. You know, for example, when I get into schools, I don't hear them talking about increasing the custodial budgets. I hear them increasing the amount of technology they need in the school. Right. Well, why? It's because the technology people have their acts together better than we do. They're out competing us. We need as an industry to be able to stand up and bang our fists, maybe, you know, not literally. <laughs> Figuratively. <laughs> right. But to say, no, this is important, whether we're talking about schools or we're talking about retail, or we're talking about whatever sector it is, how important it is that it's clean and not just for appearances, but for protecting people's health. And, and how does, I mean, education for us play into that? I mean, we talked about that a little bit, but how, where is that strength in going to a customer and saying, this is what we're learning and this is what we know is the best practice. And this is, this is what we not demand, but this is what we hope that you would want for your facility based on what we know. You know, let's face it, we participate in incredibly mature industry. And in many respects, we're a commodity. At least that's how our customers often look at us. We're a commodity. And what I'm really suggesting is leadership. Leadership. Do we have the courage to stand up and say, no, that's not good enough? Mm -hmm. So for those members who are willing to understand the issues, which I'm sure they do, 
but really willing to come together and say, from a leadership perspective, this is what's needed to tell those facility managers, to tell the purchasers, to tell the building owners, look, yes, you can get it cheaper anyplace else. You always find a company that'll clean cheaper. But as leaders, here's what I'm going to tell you. At the end of the day, they might not listen, but I tell you what, if we don't say it, they're certainly not going to do it. It is on us. Well, if you don't say it, they're never going to hear it. So, you know, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. That's right. But they will hear it from all of our competitors. And by competitors, I'm talking about all the other people sitting at the table begging for more money. Right. Right. They're happy to have us be quiet. They're happy to have us sit at, you know, our role in the discussion is to put the chairs away and clean the tables and dump the trash after the meeting. They're happy to really not to have one more competitor who's sitting at the table saying, yep, let me explain to you why investing in cleaning is a good return on the investment and appropriate thing for your organization, this organization to be doing. Right. That's the role that we need to be playing because as you said, if we don't say it, nobody else will. And this is a conversation we've had at BSAI for, since the pandemic has really started. I mean, the pandemic has so exposed um, how cleaning is essential. I mean, it's how cleaners are essential. They're an essential worker. And if without them, you're gonna have these unsafe spaces. And I love how in this training course, we are helping people understand how this, uh, two things, how to, under, how to understand, okay, this is how we do it in a safe way. And this is how we do it to protect our frontline workers who are essential. And these are best practices. And then here's how we get in there and do it. And then also showing other people like that are outside of the industry, look, this is something you can get certified in. Like this is something that is so important that you can actually have an educational credential for this. Um, it's not, you know, it's not as easy as, like you said, taking out the trash or sweeping the floor. I mean, there are actual processes that go into these types of cleanings. Well, Kate, the one thing that I do want to clarify that I hope everyone who's listening will um, really hear me on this, because this is important. When we put this training program together, one of the things that the educational committee that I worked with, the science committee that I worked with, we were very sensitive to the fact that, frankly, there's a lot of different ways to clean a bathroom. You know, whether you start in the back and you work to the front, whether you start at the right and you work to the left, whether you start at the left and you work to the right, right? A lot of different ways, whether you use microfiber products, whether you use disposable products, whether you, how you apply, there, there's lots of, um, application and technical stuff. We made a decision not to say there's only one right way to do everything. Right. And I want everyone to know this. We are assuming, and I believe it to be true, that the contractors know how to train their people how to do the technical functions of the job. And because I don't want to scare them to think, oh, my gosh, if they take this course, they're going to totally have to change everything that they do. That's not true. We focus on the details related to what CDC is saying about the proper use of disinfectants, about proper dilutions, about 
um, how to identify high touch points, um, making sure that they're done for the appropriate contact time, um, to the personal protective equipment. So I just wanted to make sure that we don't mislead people in thinking about we're gonna, this course will be so prescriptive that it will create other problems for them. This should overlay nicely on everything that they're doing. And again, to reinforce to the workers that it's safe to do the work, to prepare them to be able to talk to occupants that they come in contact with. And it's all done understanding who many of our workers are. Mm -hmm. um, out here on the West Coast, there was a study done about our frontline workers. And what the results indicated was that 44% of the frontline workers, their highest level of formal education was middle school. Wow. Okay. Now, understand that does not make them bad mothers and bad fathers or, you know, daughters or sons or, you know, parents. That's right. That's not an indication of whether they work hard, whether they're good at what they do, whether they're honest. But it does suggest from an educational perspective what we needed to do to make sure we're properly educating, um, providing the information, um, thinking about adult education for those type of workers, especially when English is their second language. So how we can take a reasonably short course I wish I could tell you this, this is totally comprehensive. In all due respect, it's not. You know, a totally comprehensive program would be days long. Right. That's why we focus on what CDC and EPA and OSHA was talking about, following their guidance specific to COVID with some other background information on infection control. But we wanted to be efficient and effective and do it in a way that could really affect our workers, understanding who they are and how to best provide the information to them, where it's not just checking a box, right? They sat there at the end, they check a box and they get a piece of paper in the mail. And you know, maybe we should give them the baseball hat and a donut, right? I mean, we try to provide legitimate, helpful information so they could do a better job in context of what their employer expects. Right. Protecting their health and making them feel more, frankly, appreciated. We are professionals. We need them. And so I think that we did a nice job focusing on those things. And um, frankly, I hope all the BSEI members will not only take it for themselves, but for their entire teams. I mean, like you said, it's it's a perfect overlay to what you know we already know as best practices, but it's it's kind of going in and looking in specifically about infection control and that kind of stuff. And I, I think it's I mean, it's I think it's really well done. I think you guys did a really good job with it. Um, and it's one of the very I think it's one of the only courses of its kind at this point. I don't I don't know of any COVID specific cleaning courses out there. So it's it's a really unique product, and I think people can really benefit from it. Well, I, you know, Kate, I, I would love to say that ours is the first and only. It's not. It, it's not. Uh, manufacturers have programs. Other associations have programs. 
But I think what is good about this program is, is it really was focused on the needs of frontline workers, right? It's, for those of you listening, probably a lot of owners, a lot of senior managers and, you know, contracting organizations, my suspicion is most of your listeners actually know this stuff. But this was really targeted, intentionally targeted. Forget all the rhetoric and the marketing stuff. We really did think about what does a frontline worker need to know. So for example, we didn't really spend a lot of time on how to select a disinfectant. And the reason for that is typically frontline workers don't have a choice and a say in selecting and buying disinfectants. Right. They get the product they get. <laughs> That's right. So, but we wanted to focus on, well, okay, when they get that product, what are the two or three things on the label that's important for them to know? Right? The things that are in their control, the things that will help them do a better job. So that's the part that I'm proudest about is it really was so focused on the needs of frontline workers. And of course, the other things to make sure we're keeping them safe, make right those additional issues and providing the basics you know the science of cleaning and disinfecting to help you know oftentimes and this is probably not for bsai members these are for other contractors that don't even join bsai right bsai members are self-selecting they care enough to actually do this stuff right but we compete with a lot of companies where literally the, the janitors the custodian the environmental service workers their one day of training is they follow one person around and the next day they're given a spray bottle and a cloth and said, now you do it. And that's the extent of their training. And maybe I'm being a little bit superficial about it, but not much. And so what we want to do is actually, for example, help people understand why we use different products for different cleaning solutions. Yeah. Right? Well, Soils matter. How to really think about it, as opposed to we just tell them to do something, and at the end of the day, we check whether or not they did it. Let's give them the information so they can make better, more informed decisions, because when they're in that office building, or when they're in that large retail space, when they're in that church, when they're in that school, it is that person that's making those decisions. So we wanted to give them the tools that was appropriate for, you know, they're not PhDs in chemistry. They're, we're not training them to be industrial hygienists, right? Let's not go to the other extreme. But there really are some basic things that, in my opinion, and the opinion of the BSAI educational and science team, that these are the basic things that people who work as professionals in our industry really should understand. Yeah. I mean, knowledge is power. If you know what you're doing and why you're doing it, it's, it's, it gives you a lot more understanding of the process than, like you said, getting a spray bottle and just kind of going and doing your, doing your daily checklist. Um, well, thank you so much. I have, those are all the questions I had for you. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Well, the main thing that I want to add is I really appreciate BSCAI, your staff, the, your board members, the science teams that I worked with. You know, people really do care a great deal and invested a lot of volunteer time into supporting this. 
So I really do appreciate all of you. I appreciate your members. I truly believe that cleaning is essential. We really are protecting people's health. And I also really appreciate your willingness to take care of our workers. They really are important. I know everyone says it, but we need to actually do it and show it. And again, I hope all your members will take the course. I hope they'll share it with others, um, you know, other contractors. I hope they all join BSAAI. <laughs> and I also hope that it'll allow us to do other training and other programs going forward. Yeah, I mean, this is a great course. It's, it's open to BSCI members and non-BSCI members. So if you're not a BSCI member, check it out. And um, well, we appreciate having you on the show and we hope everybody checks it out. It's on our website, bscai.org. All right, Steve, well, have a great rest of your day, okay? Thank you and I appreciate your time. And for everyone who listened in, I hope you found it interesting and valuable and please take the class and have all of your people do it. And if people want to learn more about you and your company, where can they find you? My website is www.ashkengroup.com. Perfect. So, glad to help and we got a lot to do. So thank you. And um, I don't know about you, but Life is busy and we got to go out and slay some more dragons and save some more lives. Exactly. Well, thanks, Steve. I, I appreciate you coming on today. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Contracting Conversations from BSCAI. If you liked what you heard and you want to find out more or to listen to previous episodes, head over to bscaiorg podcast. There, you can also subscribe to our newsletter so you never miss industry news, updates, and great tips. Subscribe to Contracting Conversations on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and learn more about our community on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube.